Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome to another GeoMob podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Tim Newman from Ordnance Survey. Tim is the product manager for the OS Maps product, and he's here to talk to us about OS outdoors activities, and in particular about their journey to Australia. So, Tim, welcome. Hi, well, good to be here. Thank you very much. Introduce yourselves and tell us what you do and a little bit about OS Outdoors. Sure. Um, so, yeah, as you, as you said, I'm the product manager for OS Maps. I've been at OS now for coming up to seven years, and the last last four, I think, of those have been been working in the consumer part of the business. Uh, so really helping run OS Maps, making sure we're uh, constantly evolving it to, to meet user needs and um, help more people get outside. So yeah, that's that's my, my job in a nutshell. It's sort of combining the the, the data that underpins all with the, uh, the customer need and making sure that we're helping users um, across GB up to now and uh, now excitingly kind of beyond the borders of GB too to to explore the outdoors. Great. So OS Maps is an outdoors app for walkers and hikers. Tell us a bit about the app and what it does and how it's built. Sure. So, I mean, although it's, I think our our main audience is, is walkers and hikers at the moment, it's it supports all of the, the uses from walking and, and, and hiking to, to running, cycling, anything you can you can use a map for in the outdoors. So I'd say yeah, at the moment we we probably mainly get people who are who are into their to their hiking, but increasingly it's it's, it's cycling, it's horse riding, it's uh, it's anything in the outdoors really. So the sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it but it's not car navigation, is it? No, absolutely. I think that's, that's a really important um, distinction. We often, I think, get compared to things like like Google Maps or you know in-car sat navs, which which is sort of comparing apples with with oranges, really. So essentially, as soon as you step off the curb, that's where OS Maps comes into its own. So we're we're helping people get away from roads, get away from cars, and into nature, really. So that's that's the primary purpose of the app. You must have seen a big surge in usage in the last twelve months. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it it took us all by surprise, really, quite how big that surge was. I think you know at the start we were we were worried that you know lockdown would would mean less usage, and then I think we quickly realised you know actually the outdoors is is even more important during lockdown. And then I think we were sort of taken back even further when we realised quite how important it was becoming um, to people. So I mean, just a couple of examples, really. L- looking at the, I sort of had a quick check on the stats last night before before coming here and i think in the in the year to to date well to february 2021 so march 2020 to, to feb 21 the usage was up nearly 200 percent um, on the year before wow. which is just just extraordinary and i think and that's that's kind of overall but in particular there are certain parts of the app which have been you know massively massively well used in lockdown things like our green space layer which is you know unsurprisingly because that's you know outdoors in, in towns and cities, which is which is generally where people have been more able to um, to explore, things like that have, have increased even more. So, yeah, great to see. And does the app have trails and routes in it, or curated walks? Yeah, so I think we we, we try and cater for all, all all audiences on on a spectrum of you know people who like to be completely in control of what they're doing, and they all they want is 
is the is the pure mapping data and then they'll work out exactly where they want to go through to people who who actually aren't quite sure um perhaps a, a slightly more uh, press for time when finding a route or um or maybe they don't even uh, feel confident in, in in plotting their own so there's a there's a database of of thousands of routes or well, thousands of what we call our kind of trusted routes from premium partners like country walking trail magazine and then there's there's even more there's sort of several million routes uh, from other earth maps users so the kind of the idea is you can you can pretty much go to anywhere in in Great Britain, and if there's not a premium route, you're, you're pretty pretty certain there's going to be something from another uh, Snaps user which you can either follow or kind of use for inspiration for something you might want to create yourself. Okay, and since you mentioned premium, I'm guessing that means there's a free version and a paid for version. Yes, that's right. So I think, and that distinction kind of means some data is is free and some features are free and then some is is for premium users so things like access to the the premium mapping so it contains essentially all the data that's on our 607 paper maps you get access to as a premium subscriber or things like our 3d mode for for previewing routes in 3d before you go that's that's a, a premium feature but then yeah you can you can still use it as a, as a free user things like the green space layer are completely free for anyone to go in. Even as a guest, you don't have to create an account for those things. Great. Okay. And uh, as someone who has used it, I'd recommend everybody to download the free version at least and give it a try. Excellent. Um, so, okay, you've been. How long have you been had OS Maps for the UK or GB? In fact, for GB, yeah, I think it was 2015. It was launched, so slightly before my my time. But yeah, coming up to to six years now, it's been running in, in GB. And what made you decide to expand to the complete other side <laughs> of the globe? So I think I think it kind of boils down. The, the simplest way of explaining it is is it boils down to our our strategy as, as the leisure part of the business. We're we're really motivated to help more people get outside more often and. You know, you can often have complicated debates about what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, and it, and it always boils down to that question: is it is this helping more people get outside? And one of the obvious ways of doing that, and doing that to a greater extent, is is moving beyond GB. So, you know, there's a there's a there's a product we built for GB. It's it's gone down really well, and and has grown you know year on year since 2015. But but actually, it's something that works equally well in GB as it would anywhere else in the globe. So. You know, we've built the apps, we've built the website, we've built the underlying platform. It's it's just a case then of finding the, the right data to, to ingest, you know, finding partners in other parts of the world. But actually the the, the core platform really allows us to do that. So it, it makes complete sense to, to take what we've done in GB and that's gone down really well and move to other parts of the world and, and let them benefit from it too. Brilliant. But on the survey, to my knowledge, hasn't started mapping Australia yet. <laughs> No, and, and and nor I think do we do we plan to. I mean, not not only is it is, is that it... hot news that I can. <laughs> <laughs> no, sadly, I'm sure there's plenty of our surveyors who wouldn't mind having a, a, a sunny secondment to, to Australia. But um, no, the the idea is for, for countries where we launch Earth Maps, we'll we'll look at what the best data available there is um, and and take that in. You know, it's it would be a massive job to 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 start mapping other countries um, like Australia, and and nor would it be. You know, particularly beneficial. It's it's better to look for what's out there and <laughs> see how we can use that. 
So what are you using in Australia? So it's a, it's a mixture of things. I think for the for a kind of premium mapping, we, we went out to the, the equivalents of Ordnance Survey. It's, it's a bit of a different setup in Australia. So they've got each state has its own mapping organisation. Um, and then there's one Geoscience Australia for the whole of the country. So we've essentially we've got our overview mapping from Geoscience Australia. And, and that kind of goes down to one to 250k scales and then where we can for each different state we're we're trying to get the best detail topo from them so at the moment we've got data for new south wales for queensland and for tasmania hoping to include south australia um soon and then in addition to that kind of what we call premium topo data then there's a a standard map which works throughout the world so not just australia but but any country and that's based on open street map via via map and then aerial imagery data as well wow so so you are actually using OpenStreetMap? We are indeed, yeah. <laughs> There's an irony there. <laughs> What's the irony? Well, in 2004, I think it was, or hmm. 2005, Steve Coast was a postgrad student at University College struggling to get hold of ordnance survey data for his PhD thesis and came up with the idea of going out and starting to create a street map on his bicycle, which Mm. became OpenStreetMap. And 15 years later or 16 years later, finally, OpenStreetMap appears in an Ordnance Survey product. (laughs) It's a nice circle. It's a lovely irony. (laughs) I did know that was the the background. So I guess you could could claim that Ordnance Survey has some uh, credit for the creation of OpenStreetMap, if if not in the best way. Yes, you could do. You could do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 horses for courses, really, and and you know the fact that OpenStreetMap hasn't potentially been been used in other Ordnance Survey products is is because of their their use cases, you know. So in, in GB, you you wouldn't pick uh, OpenStreetMap to underpin property transactions. You would pick you know Topo Layer. Um, in in this use case, where we were looking for for a data set that that spanned the world, we could use in a similar way in every every country, and that sort of ticks the boxes for our you know outdoor user outdoor leisure application. So yeah, it was it was the obvious choice, I think, and nice to be able to give users the ability to pick really, you know, so um, if they're planning a route or want to sort of um, get a little bit more detail for an area. They can they can check out the premium topo mapping and then compare it to OpenStreetMap and you know sometimes you you do get a different perspective on a place through those different sources so I think it, it works really well for um, yeah. for our audience and also you've got paths and trails and things in OpenStreetMap which even the national mapping agencies may not have at times yeah absolutely and I think you know that's it's it's completely understandable the you know just take GB for example I'm sure. Our surveyors would be would be dying to spend their time uh, wandering the the quiet trails of the Scottish Islands, but you know they they're spending their time on big national infrastructure yeah. projects where it, it's it's crucial to have absolutely up to date date mapping. And so yeah, it, I think the particular parts of of the world where things like you know trail data in OpenStreetMap is fantastic, and it's good to be able to offer that to our users. So have you got any indications yet of uptake in? Australia? Yeah, I mean early early days really. It's been it's been out there for about a month and we are we're really encouraged by the the progress we've we've had in downloads. I can't remember the exact figures but into the sort of uh, five figure of downloads of the app which is which is fantastic. I think it's one of those things where you know in the in the first month you really don't quite know what to expect to be honest and um and so I think so far the signs are really encouraging. Um you know we 
we did our research before before launching. I think you know we we knew there was a was a need for a, for a product like this in Australia. So we're not entirely surprised, but obviously until people start using it, you're never quite sure exactly how it's gonna gonna land. Great, and and do you have curated walks and trails in the Australian app already, or will that follow? Yeah, we do, we do. So there's there's two types, as I, as I said, there's the kind of the, the curated ones, and then user user generated. So we we've already got a number of partners in Australia who are providing uh, curated routes, things like New South Wales National Park, and so the idea is that those kind of provide a base level, and then as with with any kind of user generated content, you, you start from zero, but then hopefully as more and more people start using the app, then they'll they'll add their own favorite routes, and and it's a sort of virtuous cycle as that that makes the app more useful. More people will come in and add more routes. So yeah, we're we're, we're kind of keeping an eye on what users are doing out there, and and, and hopefully soon we'll we'll will start benefiting from their own their routes as well. So the obvious question to ask is what next in terms of countries and data? Hmm. So, so the the sort of next on the on the list really is US. I think that's probably the, the next obvious place. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know it's, it's it's a it's a really good market to be in. It, the the other advantage, obviously, just from a kind of technical point of view, is we can we can operate the app in in English, and so mm. that that speeds up development. We we in the longer term we do hope to to translate the app and make it available in in different languages, but for the time being, I think English speaking countries are are the next step, so kind of US, Canada, maybe New Zealand, and then yeah, then we'll we'll see from there. And they're all big outdoors markets as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, ultimately we're what we're not trying to do is just go to places where there's already a load of people who are um, happy getting outdoors and and and, and get those users because our, our aim is to encourage people who are are perhaps not you know traditional out, outdoors people and, and and encourage them too. But yeah, it certainly helps if there's already an interest in that sort of thing when 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 starting out. So yeah, that definitely helps. And you said just before I think that it's about six years now that this version of OS Maps has been going, and I think there was a version prior to that, but it was less centered on outdoors activities than the current version. Mm. Have you seen a significant switch from paper to digital? Uh, It's a really good question. And I think it surprised us, I think, quite how resilient paper is. So, you know, you that we, we've seen fantastic growth in, in, in OS maps, and that hasn't been matched by a, a fantastic decline in, in paper maps. And, and, and actually, you know, in, in recent years, they, they've stayed stayed fairly constantly. I think I think we sell sort of almost 2 million paper maps a year still. And so there's still a real demand for that. And I think, you know, a lot of people will use them in, in conjunction. You know, it, it is quite nice to have a, a paper map which you can spread out and, and spend <laughs> spend an afternoon kind of working out where you want to go. And I, th- I think a lot of people still still value that. So I'm sure in the longer term, there will be a sort of slow slow decline in paper maps. But actually, at the moment, we're, we're still seeing their, their popularity continue. Um, so it's it's encouraging that I think it, it points to the fact that just more people are, are trying to get outside. And so we're seeing a massive growth in Earth's maps and that's not because we're we're stealing stealing customers who would be otherwise buying paper maps. It's it's because actually more and more people are, are keen to to discover the countryside. It's interesting because I think we all a few years back, lots of people thought that paper would be replaced by digital, hmm. and in some use cases, it probably has been already. But actually, if you're talking about outdoors activities, hiking, walking, then 
Paper is massively valuable. You know, the mm. idea that you can spread out, I don't know how many square kilometers a, a typical map sheet covers, but it's quite a large area mm. and see all the detail of it. You can't do that on the screen of a mobile device. No, absolutely not. And, and I think, you know, we, we did try and overcome that using technology and, and say, you know, one of the things you often do with a paper map is you get to the top of a hill and you're looking around thinking, what, what a great view. I wonder what I'm, I'm actually looking at. And you, you get your paper map out and you can work out, oh, that, that peaks this, that lake over there must be this one. And, and you obviously can't do that on a mobile screen because at, at best you can kind of see a, a few kilometres in either direction on, on that size of phone. So that's when we introduced augmented reality on, onto OS maps with, with a view to kind of um, helping people sort of see, see beyond the edge of the, the map. Um, we knew that lots of people were navigating mainly using a phone, but losing that wider context, you you sometimes get more easily with a paper map. But, you know, even even with that, you know, I think it, it, it ticked that use case. But actually, the, the use case I, I think you, you find really hard to replace is just is spreading something out and, and getting a big wide view of, of an area. And, you know, until... You can get computer screens which are the size of a paper map um, and, and are flexible and you can lay them out on your living room floor, then I think there's always going to be a place for paper. Absolutely. And particularly when you get back from the walk and you want to just recap mm. on where you've been and what you saw. It's Yeah, I, I'm really delighted at the idea that we're going to be using paper with digital rather than it being replaced. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, there's a really important safety message as well. You know, I, it, w- it would be irresponsible not to mention that, you, you know, you should never head out into the countryside without some form of paper backup, because wh- whatever you're using, what, whatever app, whatever technology, it could die. You know, there's, there's absolutely no reason to suspect it's, uh, it's infallible. So, yeah, whether that's, you know, a big paper map you've got stuffed in the back of your rucksack or, or you know, with those maps, you could just print off an A4 sheet just with the, you know, the area you're walking on. But it's important to have that backup. It doesn't run out of battery. Good point to make. Good point to make. So just moving on from OS Maps, because it's not often... In fact, I th- you're the second person from Ordnance Survey who's come on the podcast. Jeremy right. Morley talked to us a few months ago. But I know that you're fascinated by geodesy <laughs> and also in how the Ordnance Survey originally started mapping Britain. Now, I've been working in GIS for over 20 years now, and I'm ashamed to say that I don't really understand what geodesy is. (laughs) So here's your chance to educate me and probably to educate quite a few of the other people who are listening to the podcast. (laughs) Well, I mean, notice I said fascinated. I didn't didn't necessarily say I understood it myself. But (laughs) yeah, I think it's one of those things, you know, working for an organisation like Ordnance Survey, it might not be my, my day job, but I think it kind of helps that it's, it's you know, it's, it's got a fascinating history. I think it's coming up to 230 years old. So, you know, that, that's great. It's a great kind of privilege to, to, to work for an organisation like that. And and I think geodesy and the sort of history of OS almost kind of go hand in hand, really, in, in as much as when when we were creating the first maps 200 years ago, the the technology really it really was sort of pushing the boundaries of of science and, and technology and engineering to to produce maps to that scale and that standard. The you know the, the the leaders of OS were also fellows of the Royal Society. They were discussing the real cutting edge of of technology. So I think I, I think it's it's fascinating from a kind of historic point of view. I think it's fascinating from a, a science kind of understanding how things work because. You know, I'm sure I don't know kind of the, the the people who will be listening, but 
I, I assume that some some knowledge and some interest in geo data, and it it kind of comes from the question of well, how how do you get to the point where you've got a, a coordinate system, or you know, even something as simple as as height is, you know, I think if you if you start to think what does that mean? It sounds like such a sort of elementary question, and and everyone thinks, well, of course, I you know, I understand what what height is, but but actually, if you ask someone to sort of really define, you know, you say I'm I'm standing at a point and it's is 50, is height is 50 meters you know what do you mean by that and how do you how do you work it out and that's what i think ge- geodesy is it's the sort of the fundamentals of of how we get to to useful geospatial data and it's, it's one of those subjects where you can kind of it's a bit like peeling an onion really you can you can understand it a little bit and then you think you've understood it and you think of a sort of edge case and then it gets a bit more technical and a bit more technical and you know at some point you then for most people you kind of either reach the edge of what you can get your head around or you reach the edge of what you what you what you care about you know at some point you kind of go that's interesting but you know what i'll, I'll leave that to, <laughs> to the uh, to the professionals right. so when i look at an ordnance survey map and it's got those beautiful contour lines and it says i'm mm. 200 feet or whatever measurement it is, <laughs> what's that measured against as a reference point? So, in, yeah, in, in GB, we, we use height above mean sea level as it was measured in, in Newlyn in, in Cornwall. So I need to get my dates right. I think it was between 1915 and 1921. They measured sort of, sort of fairly painstakingly. It wasn't a, a fully automated process. They, they measured the, the sea level at the end of a pier in, in Newlyn in Cornwall. And they, they took the average over those, those six years. And that essentially defined our, the kind of the zero point, the, the datum for, for the whole of, whole of GB. I mean, the whole, whole of mainland GB, I should say, I guess the, um, there was not an easy way of connecting it to some of the, you know, the more remote Scottish islands, for example. So they've got their own their own datums. But and again, so that's kind of the first the first part. And then obviously there's there's the question: Well, how, how on earth do you do you take that information? You might have measured zero in Cornwall, but what happens if you're up in Scotland? You know, how do those two relate to each other? And so that's where this principle called leveling kind of came in. And um, so essentially, you'd have a, a party of surveyors starting in one place, measuring the difference in, in heights between those two places, and then kind of piggybacking, creating these leveling lines throughout the country. And if you know the, the relative heights of two places, and then sort of calculate that along the line, all the way back to, to Newlyn in Cornwall, eventually you have this network of reference points or, or benchmarks where you know the height of those um, and you tie it back to to your your datum, which is which is in Newland. So so that's the, you know you you another kind of an interesting <laughs> geodesy thing, which which I'm sure most people in the country have seen, but maybe never even realised is there's there are you know thousands of these benchmarks around the country, and and you know everyone knows trig pillars, which are used for the sort of horizontal positioning, but for vertical positioning, if you ever come across the Geovation Ordnance Survey's Geovation logo, which is a kind of horizontal line with three notches yep. b- below it, that, that's the symbol for a benchmark. So you'll see them kind of cut into the sides of churches or bridges or, you know, any any kind of older building. And, and that's essentially what it is. It's, it's a point of known height, which has been calculated by via this levelling process and worked out relative to, to Newlyn in, in Cornwall. So it's the... They're the height equivalent of the trig points. 
Absolutely, yeah, exactly. So there's thousands of them across the country. They're obviously less, slightly less conspicuous than trig points because trig points are put on the top of you know big tall things with a with a big view around. So it's it's really easy to see. But actually, there's the chances are you're probably quite close to one now because they were created in this leveling process on on leveling lines. What you what you don't really want to do with with a process like that, it's you know you're carrying a lot of equipment around. You're not going to take a, a really difficult route over the top of a hill or something. So actually, they they tend to follow valleys or main roads. Um, you know, civilization in short. So actually, although they're a lot less conspicuous than trig points, there's, there's a far greater chance you're, you're, you know, you're sitting not far from one right now. It's quite, I think it's quite fascinating in a way that to build a map with the detail that Ordnance Survey builds a map requires an enormous amount of these sort of very precise calculations. It's not all mm. stuff that can be just uniquely measured using a GPS device. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pre- precision is it, it's it's extraordinary, really. I think you know both from the early days of Ordnance Survey, where they were you know seriously pushing the boundaries of of what science and, and technology could do, um, but but right through to the present day, you know our our equivalents of of, of trig points and and benchmarks are a ref- series of kind of GPS reference stations around the country, which are again positioned on you know um, solid bedrock that we know or or you know buildings that we know aren't going to move. And the precision of those is is such that you know we can detect a high pressure system over the country. You know there's there's literally more air pressure pushing down on the land, and it and it makes makes the country sink by a few millimeters, and we can measure that. Or you know the, the tide comes in over the continental shelf and, and literally weighs down the the British Isles and and it sinks for it sinks a little bit so it's it's incredible really for a when you're measuring something over you know over the world really the precision we can we can achieve these days is 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 fascinating it is indeed Tim I think that's been a brilliant introduction to geodesy I'm sure <laughs> lots of people are going to go off and do a degree in geodesy after this <laughs> just before we wrap up if people want to get in touch with you to ask questions about OS maps or to give you some suggestions what's the best way for them to get in touch with you oh good question well you either you can find me on LinkedIn probably or or Twitter I think if you let me check I'm not, I'm not a big Twitter user actually but it's it's t underscore d underscore Newman uh, is my Twitter handle you can follow me for my annual tweet <laughs> um, but yeah uh, that or um, if if there's, if there's any sort of uh, feedback or information you want on the Earth Maps app then um, on on the contact us page you, okay. on, on the website then you'll find we'll put me. those We'll put those links into the show notes so that people can pick them up from the show notes. Tim, thank you very much for being our guest today on the Geomob podcast. And I'm going to get my OS maps out and plan my walk for tomorrow afternoon. Take care. Bye. Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the Geomob podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Stephen at Stephen Feldman. You can follow me at Freifogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. 
We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and of course seeing you at a future GMOP event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.